My name is Wyatt Graham. I'm the executive director of the Gospel Coalition Canada, and I'm joined today by four pastors who live across Canada and minister in different cities across Canada, from British Columbia to Newfoundland. And I asked them to come here because I thought it would be helpful to hear from each of them how they're doing in their local province, in their local city, in their local church. To see what is it like now we've had about three months of not meeting together as a church regularly how are you feeling as a pastor how are people in your church feeling and processing this and then i'd love to transition from that and then talk to them about what do you as a pastor hope for this fall what do you want your congregation to be doing how do you stay safe and how do you open safely and what does it mean to love one another those who perhaps are afraid to gather due to age or pre-existing condition how do we talk about the future without it sounding grim for them? And how do we include everyone into the body of Christ in a very tangible and real way? So I'm excited to have you four here, to have you four wise, godly men, and just to hear from you. And I hope that other pastors, and not just pastors, but individuals in a church, elders, deacons, whatever, whoever it is, can kind of hear and just hopefully kind of get their thoughts together through your thoughts to kind of learn alongside me as I ask you questions and to learn from your collective wisdom. So I'll maybe start with the coast, then make my way inside. Um, let's uh, start with Steve Bray, who's from Newfoundland and pastors a church up there. Steve, can you just briefly say your church name and just like a 30-second bio of who you are? Well, thanks, guys. And it's good to see uh, all of you, your friends and brothers and I miss all of you, and normally under normal circumstances, I'd have the privilege to at least even physically see you um, once or twice or even more a year, and I even miss that. Um, so uh, I get the glorious privilege to pastor Calvary Baptist Church in St. John's, Newfoundland, and um, I've been here now, believe it or not, uh, although I'm from Newfoundland, I pastored in Prince Edward Island. I've always been kind of a an Atlantic Canadian boy and stayed in my Atlantic Canadian region in my pastoral ministry and life. Um, moved back here from Prince Edward Island about five and a half years ago. And um, God's just been incredibly gracious uh, to my family and to the church mm -hmm. I get to pastor. And we're in the midst of trying to plant churches in what I would say now is one of, if not the neediest um, city in our country for the lack of the gospel. So we're excited to be a part of that. But Yes, the last uh, 12 Sundays have been very, very different for us. It's not been at all how I would have designed it. And on top of that, believe it or not, here in Newfoundland and Labrador, it's almost been like the year we'd all love to forget because what we don't, what the rest of the country might have forgotten already is we began with Snowmageddon, where we had mm -hmm. almost 100 centimeters of snow in a day. And it shut down our city and our airport, and there were states of emergencies called. and and so St. John's already hit that and then COVID. And because of COVID, it has killed the oil and gas industry. And I'm sure my brother in Alberta is going to talk about that. Um, you know, we're losing jobs. I mean, if you read some of the newspaper reports, I mean, 60,000 people could leave this province is what they're, they're predicting in the doom and gloom scenarios. Um, so it's been a trying time. <clears throat> I, uh, I would say for Calvary Baptist, we have had, it, you know, it's like the, what is it? The, uh, the novel, A Tale of Two Cities. It's the best of times. It's the worst of times. Um, we've seen God do some incredible things. Um, our church transitioned fairly well into um, the virtual world and live streaming. God 
added the right people to our church. Um, we've had a glorious and wonderful response and buy-in by our congregation and by the larger community. Um, so that's been wonderful. I feel like I'm busier than I've ever been. I feel like the amount of counseling is higher than it's ever been. Um, and I sometimes feel a bit overwhelmed and I don't actually even feel like the biggest challenges of my pastoring are upon me yet. I think those are to come as I've always said, I think this whole thing comes in three waves, right? There's the coronavirus, then there's the economics, and then there's the mental illness. And I still think that's going to happen. And I see it happening at least around, I will tell you the next four weeks are going to be telling because that emergency money ends this month. And a whole lot of people are getting two grand a month in love and life. And that stops um, unless they write other bills and spend more money. But um, it'll be interesting how to, how to say, see that all play out. I guess the biggest thing I'm wrestling with right now um, is our province is one of the lowest COVID provinces in the country. And our province's posture has been caution par excellence. I mean, we are only at level four. We only have two active COVID cases in the entire province. We've only had three deaths. I mean, we've had nine people die of influenza in, since January and only three of COVID, but we have taken a very, very cautious approach. Um, and I would say that that's starting to wear thin on the patience of our culture, the overall province. Traffic is way up. The aggression online is way up. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that translates into our church. I, I think that in the larger picture, even of what we see around the world, what I would say the evidence of this is this what I'm talking about, even with our own church, is everything goes along really well <clears throat> until something kind of happens. And it now, you know, you know, we have that expression, the straw that breaks the camel's back. I just find that that straw is very, very small and there's a lot of them. And so that's when you start to see how this is affecting either me personally or my church leadership or the church in general is we're going along pretty well. And then something happens and it's just like everybody's nerves are on a hair trigger. Um, and so it's made me much more desperate in prayer. I've, I've really been exposed to how weak my prayer life is and what it means to be desperate in prayer, what it means to just put concentrated time in prayer with my personality and my disposition. I love to pray. I'm not very disciplined in prayer. And so that's been one of the things there, but I don't know if that answered your question or not, Wyatt. I, I hope it did. No, that helps. It's, it's good to get a sense of how you as a pastor are feeling, how your church is feeling, and even Newfoundland is. And uh, I think a lot of provinces are seeing some of the more aggressive kind of online behavior, some of the frustrations. And I, I think we'll see that kind of among all of us a little bit in our provinces. Well, I want to kind of move to the other side of the country and come to Rob Goddard, who lives in well near in the Vancouver greater area, sorry. Uh, he's a pastor there. And Rob, could you just kind of briefly tell us kind of who you are? And then after that, kind of follow Steve by letting us know like how you feel as a person, what, what's going on in your local church, and what are you hearing in your community about how people feel after, I think, 12 weeks too, right? 12 weeks in BC of lockdown. What's, yeah. the, what's the lay of the land? Well, thanks for the question. Are my 30 seconds as long as Steve's? That's the first question I have for well, you. Well, here's the thing. Steve's 30 seconds. Well, 30 you're always three minutes. So. 
You said a bio, and then I answered the question. Newfoundland <laughs> time. That's right. <laughs> I, I am privileged to serve at Cloverdale Baptist Church, as you mentioned. Uh, it's a wonderful church. Uh, truly an honor to serve her and to be a part of what God is doing there and to serve God by serving her. Uh, in BC, we, we have responded to this, I think, very well. And I think the atmosphere in our province is actually fairly positive. We have a doctor, Bonnie Henry, who we think is doing a great job. When I say we, I would say the vast majority of the province. And so there's actually pretty good spirits here. We started way ahead of everyone. I don't know if you remember the stats, but BC was way ahead in terms of the impact of this virus. And we have since, I think, due to what we've done as a province, due to a responsive province, kind of backed up and now are, I, I think, doing very well. They've come out with a four-phase uh, response for phase to re-engage and we are in phase two of that the, the first time they came out with it there's actually nothing about churches and so I was encouraged by that I thought hey we're going to be back and then the next day they address churches and we're still at the 50 and no more uh, in the entire church building regardless of how big your church building is so we're trying hard to interact with them and say well what does that mean and how do we keep social distancing and those things even as we try to do church uh, the church itself is responding all over the map. And I think I would agree with Steve. We have the Corona grumps, I call them. And, and so there seems to be just a, a frailty to people's emotional ability to respond to normal things in life. Uh, marriages are, are struggling. I think people who do have mental illness issues, which perhaps is all of us to some degree, but those who struggle more with them seem to be struggling more now as well. And so there's an overall, I think, discontentment with what is going on even as I think for the most part, we're content with how the government of British Columbia is responding. There are some people in the church itself uh, very upset with us for not meeting now, think we're being disobedient to God by obeying the government uh, regulations and others who are saying, please don't meet, please don't even get together at all because we think that'll make my husband unsafe, my wife unsafe, the vulnerable unsafe. So really all over the map in terms of how we're responding. What we have decided to do as a church is start meeting again together. A 50 is a very small number for us. We'd have to have uh, a number of uh, services to accomplish that. You have to count the people that are already in the building. So we'd be looking at eight, 10 services. We, we talked about it, just can't do it. So we've decided to go instead with just partial ministry meetings. So we're having some live board meetings at the church, prayer meetings, youth is starting to meet there, at least portions of our youth groups. Uh, young adults is starting to meet again. So we're starting to re-engage actually about two weeks ago with a, a long list of rules and regulations through some people at the church that work for the government and are just doing our very best to re-engage. It is difficult. Here, we think we're not going to be able to meet together as an entire church until Christmas. And that's a that's a pretty harsh deal. They're talking about another phase of coronavirus in October. And I, I think there's so much confusion and so much concern and, and so many differing opinions. It's just hard sometimes to, to know how to respond. I would agree with Steve. I'm not busier. So in fact, I'm working less hours, but I'm, I'm way more exhausted and I'm way more frail. And so for me too, it's been a, you have to dive deep relationally with God and then, you know, make sure you have the support of those around you and make sure you're taking proper breaks. I'm now speaking as a pastor. So in doing those things, you can minister effectively to people that so desperately need it. So all in all, I think British Columbia is doing good. I think there's a positive feel here but it has been very hard on churches and the churches that are meeting, there seems to be a very negative response, even if they're keeping relatively close to what the guidelines are, a negative response of the community around. And so I do think it will, if this continues and if there's a number of churches that do that and do it loudly hurt the witness that we have in our community. Mm. That's helpful. Um, so there sounds like there's a similar tension happening there among people, but secondly, there's a similar pastoral struggle both of you mentioned um, 
that there is a like mental health issues. I don't think you've said it, Rob, but the, there's probably going to be more counseling as well, pastoral counseling. And I have a feeling that's not going to just be for this month, but it'll be for the next months and months and years possibly. No. And I even think Wyatt, that, that the, the response and I, you know, I appreciate Steve's waves. I think we're going to have a recession or, or you know, who knows we're trying to, we're trying to prophesy what's going to happen and we don't know. But we do know that it's going to change. And I think the new normal will have some wonderful things for the church and some very, very hard things for the church. And we'll have to sort them out as they come and try to prepare for them, even though we don't know what's coming. And so we're trying very hard to do that with prayer and planning. And we have all sorts of planning structures going on in our church family. But I keep reminding them, we really don't know what's going to happen. Only God knows. So you pray with an open hand, pray with humility and and plan with that same open hand and humility and hope that we can restructure and minister to people effectively. We are seeing a lot more of our people sharing their faith and a lot more, what I would say, non-church people joining us online. And that's been Mm -hmm. very encouraging. And we're seeing a number of them make decisions. And again, I don't know what that means long-term or for discipleship, all of those things we feel a little bit lost. So we're trying hard to follow those up and and engage, uh, but finding that difficult. Well, I like that kind of um, tint of hope at the end. One of our other council members, George Sinclair, proposed that we should do the the rule of three, I think it was. For every uh, online sermon or content piece you have, you share it with three people who are not a Christian and uh, maybe even a Christian as well, but just to kind of encourage them. So let's kind of make your way over the uh, the Rocky Mountains to Alberta from British Columbia. And we'll talk to Clint here. So Clint, how? well, first of all, introduce yourself, your church, and then kind of let us know what's going on in Calgary. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks, Wyatt. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. My name is Clint Humphrey, and I pastor Calvary Grace Church uh, just outside of downtown Calgary. Uh, It's a church that I planted, and we started with just a couple of two couples in a living room. And and now uh, just a couple of years ago, we bought a building. So I've had the experience of kind of going through that church planting experience, uh, going along and seeing then the growth. And now we're really an established church. And so just navigating what that's like. Uh, and we've actually planted another church in a bedroom community just outside of Calgary. So we're very thankful for how God's kind of brought us along. Uh, but like everybody, this, this lockdown has been uh, an immense challenge. Um, nevertheless, I think the note of hope that guys are expressing, uh, we've, we certainly feel that. I think our church is, uh, as a younger congregation, that is quite theologically informed. I think they are uh, relatively spiritually healthy, um, and, and we've had quite a bit of unity, even through all of the challenges. Uh, at the same time, surrounding us in the context in Alberta, Uh, We were suffering from, as Steve mentioned, the economic fallout of the oil crash. And uh, Calgary's a boom and bust town. And so many people were losing their jobs. Uh, In our church church plant, uh, a number of the people in that small plant uh, lost lost their jobs just recently. And the people that are in our church that even if they haven't lost their job, they're, they're worried about losing it in the next six months. So there's a lot of fear about that. And then Corona hit. Uh, So that just added to people's anxiety and and fears. And it's been a real spiritual challenge. I think people have been really tested in their faith about what actually they've been putting their faith in. Have they been putting their faith in Christ alone? Or has it been Christ and middle class income? And so that's been a real test for everyone. 
I think as far as the church scene out here, uh, we are seeing uh, the, the government has been, I think ahead of a number of other governments, has been opening things up. Although they, I think admittedly, I think they weren't planning on having us be included very quickly. Um, but some pastors have been advocating with the government and there's a few different connections with the government to get our voice heard. And they actually, they actually upped up our schedule and, and we're opening things uh, closer. So we're more like Rob said, we're at 50 can gather. And uh, I, I'm, I'm suspicious as well that, that we'll be gathering as a full church, uh, you know, in the fall. I, I don't know if we will. But nevertheless, there, that presents a lot of tensions as people want to then think, well, should we should we even be gathering as soon as we can? Like, is it is it scary to be gathering or other people that are like, well, they want to disobey the regulations that exist and uh, you know want to push the push the limit. So there's a range of that in the churches around. I think it presents the pastoral challenge of having to pastor the thresholds of people's conscience and so people you're trying to minister to people as they have strongly held views about things that are beyond thus saith the lord and so trying to navigate that uh, as rob had said uh, maybe the hours are less but i but i think everybody is exhausted and i i would just say that i think pastors are uh, are needing to have sharper thinking the thinking that is required for you to say something, to take a position in your church or publicly, it takes so much weighing out of differing emphases, even, even the kaleidoscope of scripture, being able to look at different passages and weigh them out against each other. I think that has taken even a lot of exegetical and theological sweat. And I think that's been quite taxing for pastors. I know I've felt that want to be careful with every email I write or any Zoom call I'm on and just being careful about what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. So I think that's been been tiring for guys. I think as well, though, um, we've just seen that just there's a great diversity between different churches, depending on their makeup. Big churches, maybe they've got volunteers that they can they can organize multiple services and do and do even keeping the guidelines smaller churches maybe they're small enough they can all gather as a whole and, and meet together uh, you know under the 50 limit but the churches that are in between like ours don't really have enough volunteers to do all the multiple services and you know so is it more hassle than it is good should we just wait until we can all gather together and i think as well like you know different churches uh have different makeup some are very eager they got a lot of young people are eager to meet they're relatively healthy you got other people, other churches around that seem to have a lot of seniors. Um, they are very afraid, very cautious, so that even if the regulations are, are lifted and eased up more, the churches are quite hesitant uh, to, to go ahead and, and push those. Um, in our case, our church maybe doesn't have the seniors, but we have a lot of healthcare workers. And so they're worried about bringing something from the hospital and infecting everybody else. And so those cautions, I think all of us are facing and, and, and wrestling with. But overall, I just think pastors are needing to uh, be pretty careful and kind of hold a steady, steady course. And that's what I've seen with the pastors in Alberta. They're trying to stay, stay the course. 
And yet all of us are a little bit of, you know, we're all sort of libertarians out here. So we're all, we're all upset with the government all the time anyway. So, uh, you know, you always have that little bit of an edge regardless. Uh, but we're all trying to, you know, First Peter 2.17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God and honor the emperor and just trying to hold all those intentions. So that's what I'd say about Alberta. So I think that's interesting. You, you kind of added some extra tensions. I think you agreed with everyone else, but there's a sense in Alberta, or at least in particular in the community that you're talking about, where there is some tension among Christians, how to open up, how to understand coronavirus, how to reopen, what that means, how it should look. And there's a real sense in which it's not just, okay, the counseling problem, it's not just the job problem, but it's how to relate to one another, how to love one another in Christ. Absolutely. And so it, it creates a, a kind of, um, I like how you put it. It's a bit exhausting because you're, you have to be careful with what you say because the, the tensions are high enough and that can actually take a, a good toll. You know, like if you can't be free and open with people because you I just want to be careful not to offend and so on. After a while, I think that can really drain someone. Well, let's uh, move to what my family calls Eastern Canada, but I still think is relatively the center in terms of geography, Ontario. East think they think they're the center of the universe. The center of the universe. <laughs> well, so the funny part is, so I'm born in BC, also grew up in Alberta. And when I think of Eastern Canada, it's like Ontario. But then when you come out here, you realize we're so big. It's not, it's definitely not. <laughs> but uh, geography is, is a funny thing, especially in Canada. We're so massive. Uh, so Dwayne Klein, you're from Hamilton, the town in which I also reside. Uh, you have a, uh, probably a little bit of a different situation you were describing earlier where you have a bit more activity given the uniqueness of your, of your building. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about, first of all, who you are and maybe just explain what Houston, Houston's going through in terms of his building project and, and how that kind of adds uh, maybe a different angle to, to what's going on. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm Dwayne Klein. I've been pastor of Houston Street Baptist Church since 1994 um, and uh, have loved being here. Our, our composition is a bit different, more maybe like Clint's. We have a young congregation. Um, there's about 350 of us on a Sunday. Average age would be about 30. Um, so very young congregation. Uh, in that, the one thing that's been unique a bit to Amy and I, my wife and I, is my wife is a storefront owner. So we also own a storefront that transitioned from one street to another during COVID because we had we had leased another uh, a retail uh, space on another street in the city. So I've had to learn a lot about the retail end of it, as well as the church end of it, which has been uh, fascinating for me. Um, I'd say a few things. I'll get, to, I'll get to Hamilton stuff in a minute, but for our church, all of the online technology was being placed in the new building that we've been building for two years um, that is going to hold, it, it's 64,000 square feet. Uh, 32,000 square feet is housing. It's 45 apartments for people who have nowhere to live. And 32,000 square feet is church. And our current facility is about 6,000 square feet of church. So it, that's an incredible jump for us. I was in it this morning. Uh, it just feels so big for us, but we're really excited about it. But because it was classified as essential service, because housing was being built for those that are marginalized, when Ontario shut down, we could still keep going. So when I actually never reduced my hours, my hours have gone up exponentially. Uh, I, I've been I'm probably the same. I've been hitting 60 hour weeks, um, mostly through COVID. So it's been, it's been really busy, but we're thankful the building will be done in early August and uh, we'll be able to go into it 
um, and uh, our office will move there, but probably not meet as a congregation until sometime this fall, uh, or maybe till Christmas. Uh, all of our technology to move online, because we've been using rental facilities since 2011, was going into this new facility, is going in. So we had no online presence and no online technology. So that was a brand new learning curve for us. We didn't have a Facebook page. We didn't have a Twitter account. Uh, we didn't have a YouTube channel. We had nothing. Um, so that was a huge learning curve for us. Our community groups all transitioned seamlessly to Zoom meetings. We had great leaders there. And so did our youth and children. Um, but we created a couple other venues for people. We created this Thursday night called uh, Houston at Home. And it was from anyone in the church that just wanted to join in together for prayer. Uh, so we did, we've done prayer about every other week. And on alternate weeks, we brought in some experts. Michael Aiken was with us one night, uh, like on the TGC uh, uh, channel as well. Um, and, and we've brought in a gentleman named Paul Steimer, who's a psychotherapist. Who, he's doing three sessions with us. The first one was around uh, looking after your mental health during COVID. He's an incredibly godly guy. The second one this Saturday is around parenting. So surviving with my children in COVID. And the last one we're going to do with him, depending on how long this lasts, but that we have booked with him is in July on coming out of COVID. And he's been incredibly helpful um, and a great resource to us. Uh, we also started a book club. So we have a group that meet every week. We went through the pursuit of holiness. We're now going through taking God at his word. And that's been a lot of fun to do that um, together week by week. Uh, I'd say in terms of Ontario, it's been a mix. Um, churches are hit at different levels. A church like ours, where probably 75% of our congregants already gave by e-transfer and direct deposit on a regular basis, we've actually not been hit financially in a really hard way as a congregation. Our church just kept giving online and those that weren't started to do it. And so we were actually above budget in our givings um, for, uh, well, for the first three months of this, we've been above. Um, now it's steadily declined in terms of how much above, uh, but that's been a real blessing for us. Churches that had a more traditional style of giving have really been hit hard by some of this and are down significantly and have struggled immensely. And if you have people in your congregations that aren't used to e-transferring um, in any way, right? they don't do it for anything. They've really struggled with that. There's also, because Ontario is so large, like many of our provinces, but we have a real urban rural mix. And so some of our rural communities have been hit hard by COVID, but some of them have been unscathed by it. And so because of that, they want to reopen. They're, look, they don't want the same rules that apply to Toronto to apply to, or Ottawa or London, uh, to apply to, to Thunder Bay or to some other community um, that's more rural where there's been maybe virtually no cases of, of COVID. Um, now, in fairness, there have been some small communities where there have been those that, are, that have been heavier hit. I agree with, with Stephen Bray. He said this really well earlier that, you know, you've got Corona, there's going to be economic fallout. I'm not exactly sure what that is. And there's going to be mental health fallout. And so we together have to be uh, thinking through how we do that. Um, we put together a group of volunteers and staff, and we called through a whole church, like a lot of churches did, to see how people are doing, pray with people, talk to them. We've done a lot of sidewalk visits, a bunch of grocery drops, or we'll drop groceries off because we live in a more marginalized community um, on sidewalks and then just just are on their porches and we go to the sidewalk, just pray for them, talk with them for a few minutes. Uh, and, and I would say that people generally have really respected our premier and the way that he's led through this. But even this week when they announced that we would extend our emergency state for two more weeks, everyone sighed like a, a just, there was a, there was a groan of mourning that went through our whole province in that moment because people are just anxious to reopen. Um, 
So even on this new street, which is the trendiest street in Hamilton, where my wife has opened her shop, we're one of the few shops that decided to reopen following the COVID rules. And we were surprised by that. We thought more of the shops would open. And so we know that a number of people from our congregation are going to face financial challenge and difficulty moving forward because the government supports about to end. Um, some of the businesses had contracts that lasted through this. They're about to end. Those contracts aren't being renewed. Some of them that are used to a global economy where that global economy has virtually shut down um, is really challenging. And so there are a whole bunch of tensions. In terms of gathering, we've thought through that if in July, they'll allow us to gather in groups of 15 to 20. And one of the things that people have really missed is, is gathering congregationally for worship and for communion. And so we're, we're talking about allowing in those gatherings that we would start to gather um, in our old church facility that's quite small, but would allow for social distancing. And then in our new facility, when it opens, in whatever group size they would allow, just for the opportunity to sing together, hear the word together, pray together and celebrate uh, communion together. Um, that even if they're in smaller numbers. So those are some of the things that we're looking at doing, but we sense the tensions. Like we have some people in our church well integrated in the healthcare system. We're like, we can't meet for months. And others who are saying, as soon as they open it up, we're in. Mm. So it's interesting. There's, there's also a bit of a tension that you see between the, the stay closed and the open up people as well for different reasons. Interestingly enough, it might be an economic one in part. Okay. That's all helpful. So we, we kind of have, okay, how, how things are in your provinces. And you can see there's a number of issues that you're thinking through pastorally. One, there is mental health, pastoral counseling. How do we um, adjudicate differences among believers and how we respond to the different crises that we're having? And um, I think, I guess those are the main ones as well. And maybe there might be one that we could connect to. How do we, um, how do we work alongside our government and respect them with that tension that we also do want to open up and, as Christians, we do eventually need to worship together because that's part of the mission of the church. So um, let me kind of go back to Steve. Uh, we'll can maybe maybe do a similar order before. If you could just kind of open up. Now, I, I mentioned a number of things. You might just pick one or two that are really important to you. And maybe other people will kind of pick up some of these issues. Like for you in Newfoundland and your local church, what do you what are you hoping for over the next six months? And not just for like, say, when your church can open, but for the people in your congregation, what do you hope they learn? What do you hope people come through? What tensions do you hope are healed? What do you as a pastor hope God does in your heart? Well, I mean, I'll try to be very compact on this because um, I think those are loaded questions, uh, Wyatt. Um, I mean, I'm with some of the guys. There's what I want, but then there's so much I don't know. Um, let me try and summarize. I, I think that what we're facing now as pastors and leadership teams is we're dealing with three types of people in our church as we move into the summer, fall, in the absence of a vaccine. I will say this, if a vaccine comes, I think we're, gonna, we're now hit with a whole other set of new problems and stuff like that. Um, so in the absence of a vaccine, I think we are looking at our congregations and our society, dealing with those with, I think, that have irrational fear, those that I would say have unreasonable courage, and then a whole bunch in the middle that kind of have that balanced approach. And, you know, how do we navigate those? So now you're into who knew that, you know, all joking aside, we were into like, think of the issues that have haunted the church over say the last hundred years where we've had to apply that Romans 13, 14, weaker brother, stronger brother, 
who knew now, should I go to church with a mask on, not a mask on? Should we have church and sing? Shouldn't we? Now could become potential points of disunity in the church. And so this is where I think as pastors, we need to get on our horse and get out in front of that and be talking to our churches about that. Here's the big thing I'm wrestling with as we move into the next phase. What stopped because of this that should say stay stopped? You know what? Every pastor was almost past a you know, stop work order kind of thing, and probably had ministries that they wish would die, all of these types of things. And so a bunch of stuff stopped. But have we been thinking in this time, okay, this stopped, and it should stay stopped. I don't want to see this start again. And what has started under this coronavirus that should stay started, um, that you don't want to see go away? Because I think there's some some tension there. Um, the other thing, you guys all mentioned it, I think we're going to have to redo we're going to have to look and, and maybe preach through and reapply and re-educate our congregations about Romans 13 and 14. Um, you mentioned things like communion, gathering, singing, you know, when to, when not to, watch, watch work. Some churches have bought into live stream. So are we effective, better effective until we can open up completely, do the live stream stuff, but make sure we really take care of the church and all the smaller areas where we can get the congregation together. Um, Here's my other thing that I think we got to wrestle with as I look to the future. We were every guy here, I want all my friends and brothers talked about exhaustion, thinking well, the tensions and all that, because here's what we're dealing with, right? I find more than ever within the church, and I'm talking to the church now. I mean, I know it's in the world, but I'm talking to the church and my brothers here. There's like with the idleness of this lockdown has become binge watching of stuff. Not only television and entertainment, it's the bin watching of Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, conspiracy theories, health updates. People are bored. They're at home and they're binge watching all of this stuff. And so I find there's this gotcha culture. And, and you know, it's interesting that Clint said what he did about I have to be so careful what I say, because now every tweet and every Facebook status and every blog and every church YouTube channel is being buffeted by a whole barrage of people. People are offering their opinions. That's too much, too little, too soon, too slow, all this type of stuff. And the, the whole idea of, I think we're, we're, we're watching how idleness breeds sin, quite frankly. Um, and, and then, you know, I just think that we need to be on top of this as pastors. And I think avenues like this, I, I will tell you the, the 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 sheer pressure of all this. You say, what what do I hope for for the future? I had an elders meeting this morning with my leadership, and I told them, for the first time in a long time, I've longed to take vacation and take all of it. <laughs> and 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 then I feel guilty about all of that. But it it was just one of the markers that told me how much this is affecting me. And I guess what I'm saying is, as I look to the future, I'm hoping that the Lord will give me wisdom with my team to, to see the markers of this in our congregation as we come together. I mean, of course, I long to be with my church. I long for it. Um, I could go a whole thing about the views and clicks of YouTubes and Facebooks and all the stuff. There's a part of me that would love to say, this means we're having a greater impact, but I'm afraid that when we all get together and our churches don't grow exponentially, that there'll be this massive wave of discouragement and letdown. 
And I think we need to realize that whether you're in quarantine or whether you're gathering, Matthew 13 and the sower and the seed, I think is still the same. You throw out the gospel, some of it falls on hard ground, some of it on stony ground, some of it on thorny ground, and some of it finds good ground. And I don't think that's going to change. Um, so as I look to the future, my hope and prayer is that we can keep our church unified. I also think we need to be patient. Uh, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all uh, based on our province and country. I will say this, my only maybe controversial thing else, I wish my pastoral brothers and, 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 and friends and sisters across the island or the country would stop proof texting Hebrews 10.21 as a means, as a rally cry for either, you know, Right. Let's put our verses in their context. I think there's other places you can go to build the case for why we should gather and not pin that one all over the walls, because I'm not sure it holds good exegetical water for where we're trying to go. But what I'm hoping for is unity. What I'm hoping for is gospel renewal. What I'm praying for is revival. And, and what I'm longing for is that people out of this will realize we need human interaction we need God. And I'm praying that the church will step up into that void and say, we can, we have the answers to that because we've been transformed and we've met the one who can give us peace in the face of chaos that can help us be sacrificial and all that. So that's, again, that's a ton of words for what I'm hoping for. <laughs> can, we, can we engage in that a little bit? Wyatt? Yeah, Dwayne, let's, uh, let me summarize what he said and then I'll go to you next. And I want you to, to jump on the Hebrews 1021 questions. So, uh, I don't know. I was going to anyway. So, we have, the so there you go. <laughs> no, I just think it's helpful to kind of hear what you've said and kind of just let it sink in a little bit. So you, you see a number of things happening. One, you want pastors to get ahead of the issues of the day to, to equip the church, to be able to discern how to live with all the new information coming in Two, you want us to think through, uh, what should, what ministries have we been doing that are, that are not effective. We should let stay ineffective. What new ministries do we have that we should pursue and continue to pursue? Then you also warned, I think, against uh, this kind of glut of social media consumption and uh, it's maybe deleterious effects on us and how it's unhelpful. And at the very end, uh, well, you're talking about various things, but kind of like pastoral wisdom. And we finished by hitting on this idea of uh, citing Hebrews 10 and maybe not other passages in order to make a single point. Now, um, Dwayne, you were about to jump in, and I want to hear what you have to say, because I think that could be quite helpful. And anyone after Dwayne can jump in, too, if we want to camp here for a few minutes. Well, I just think even the interaction here could be good with Rob and Clint and, and Steve and I. But, Steve, some things you said, and Clint's, uh, Wyatt summarized them, but the whole idea of, you phrased this really well, irrational fear and unreasonable courage. I appreciate the way you worded that, because that's where then, for me, thinking through, you know, Romans 13, on let everyone be subject to governing authorities, because there's no authority except that which God has established comes into play with disputable matters. Like there's, there's, there's these issues, there's tension sometimes even in the pages of scripture, right? And there's some freedoms that God allow us of which I would say this, any issue of which is a disputable matter in scripture, it's not unsound doctrine. It's not heresy. It's a true disputable matter. Unity trumps disputable matters. Unity has to trump disputable matters. So how do we lead well in that moving forward? And so I think that, that thinking through that and helping our churches think, think biblically around these fuel matters and the wearing of masks or not wearing masks when we start to gather again. And there'll be a number of other things like, like, you know, you see someone walking in a church and they didn't use hand sanitizer. Is there going to be bells going off with lights and whistles? Right. And, uh, um, you know, and, and, and some robot, I know we're not quite there yet, 
um, shows up with hand sanitizer and makes their hands be washed. But, but I think that stuff was really important, Stephen, in terms of what you mentioned. And the stop and start, that's something we've been thinking through. Like we have an elders retreat book. Part of it is because of the positioning of us moving into a much larger facility. Um, but the whole stopping and starting thing is a brilliant one. There are some things we've done through this through Zoom. And I know there's Zoom fatigue, fatigue, but that won't last long. That I've thought, man, we need to do some more of this when this is done. Um, and thinking through people's spiritual health and the purging of so many of the things that they have actually consumed during COVID, uh, which is questionable, much of it. Um, and they've entertained themselves with it. And so, and so the spirit that has captured them isn't necessarily a godly Christ-honoring one. Is one that I think will have to help people walk faster. In terms of the Hebrews passage, I agree with you 100%. I, I don't think it's the one that we should be working on. And I do think that as we're allowed to gather, we should be leading the way, be gathering in the sizes of groups that we can in different forms and ministries, whatever that looks like, um, and, and maybe adding some elements to those things. So normally in our meetings, you know, you'd offer a prayer. There might be a small devotional. It might be at some of those meetings that it's an extended time of prayer with, with an actual, um, like it's not just a five minute devotional. It's a, it's a 20 minute scriptural conversation of some kind. Like we, we start to, we start to think through the elements of acts two in everything that we're doing um, because we so miss being together um, collectively, typically on what we call a Sunday morning. Hmm. Yeah, that's helpful, Dwayne. Uh, let's try to move through the last two here where hopefully we'll finish in roughly 10 minutes. Uh, but thanks for that wisdom. So let's go to to Rob Goddard back in Surrey. So kind of the same question. What are you hoping for for the future? And now there's tons of things you could talk about, but maybe what what seems most important to you and your your church? Well, I think that's a great question. I, I just wanted to interact with Steve a little bit before I answer that question. Is that okay, yep. Wyatt? Uh, the controversial thing that I thought you said, the most controversial thing I thought you said is that you wanted to throw out the gospel. And I just <laughs> want to state on behalf of the gospel coalition, we never want to throw out the gospel. So just that correction in case that gets, you know, sent out there. Uh, Wyatt, I thought you should do it, but I've now done it. I don't I, remember saying that. And if I did, that was a faux pas. I can, I promise you that. <laughs> I think you might've meant throw out the seed of the gospel. So I think it was probably okay in context. Oh, yes, right. I'm just yeah, correcting right, right, anyone right. who wants to, you know. Come on, give me some context. <laughs> we'll use that for a quote tweet after this. <laughs> like right. Let's throw out the gospel. <laughs> so, so in terms of our church, yeah, what we're longing for at Christ Church at Cloverdale is a renewal of first love devotion. I think that death is in the air, even though there hasn't been a lot of deaths here, even though the impact of the coronavirus here has been small in terms of, in terms of death for BC and for us as a church, it's in the air. And I think people are talking about, they're talking about the frailty, they're rethinking some of the gods of the culture, materialism, those sorts of things, even entertainment to some degree, people are rethinking. So even in the secular world, they're talking about the binge watching and those sort of things. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to share the gospel with people and to make sure that in our own congregations, the people that God has entrusted to us into our care, there's a renewal of first love devotion. So for me, I think that would be the most important thing. We, we certainly are dealing with the Romans uh, 14 issues as well, 13, 14, and 15 probably you can include a bit. I, I think there for us, the, the, just the focus on love. Let's be known for our love for one another. Mm -hmm. And doctrinal issues are super important, but let's remember as we stand on what the truth of the word of God is, the way we display that always has to be something that keeps our reputation being one of love and of self-sacrificial serving of one another. 
and I think that yields unity. And I think, again, just remembering God hates disunity. And I think disunity comes when we place pride and selfishness ahead of who Jesus is and ahead of others. I think Dwayne spoke to that very well. And I think it's kind of been, been said here. I think let's keep the essential things essential. Let's make sure we declare those and stand courageously for them. And on the non-essential, I think just incredible self-sacrificial love, a willingness to defer to other people and to serve them. And if there's people that want to wear masks, and then maybe if you don't, you should. And if there's people that don't want to wear masks and feel they're awful, it's just a willingness to listen, to love, mm-hmm. and to defer on the non-essentials. I like I one end. thing to that, Rob. The one thing I've also found helpful is teaching people to lament. I read through this um, Deep Clouds, Dark, uh, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, amazing book. You guys have seen it. Yeah. And, and so coming out of Easter, we did one week on Luke 13, and then I did two weeks of lamentations and giving permission, people permission to lament over some of the things that they have lost, that they've missed, that they're, that they're struggling with. We have found incredibly helpful and really biblical. Well, Rob, I loved what both of you, uh, you and Dwayne said, uh, Rob, you ended on loving one another as a means of unity. And I can't help but thinking of Jesus's words in John 13. This is how the world will know you by your love for one another. It's really the end of his ministry. As he's about to leave, he leaves behind this great command. And it's meant for the community, but it's also meant as a testimony to the world. And I just have to wonder what happens afterwards if churches don't stay united around the gospel? What message will be communicating? I think that's so important. And Dwayne kind of gave a good principle as well when he said, look, if it's not a primary issue and it's disputable, unity has priority. And I think what is undisputable is Jesus left that command of love for one another. No one can really gainsay that. It's there. But some of the other issues are possibly disputable in terms of how exactly we work through the issues that arise. So we're going to finish in Alberta with Clint. And I would love to hear uh, from your point of view, Clint. He's the smart one, so yeah. Yeah, (laughs) we saved the best for last. Um, I just kind of love to hear from your perspective. I mean, you mentioned different challenges, actually, than other people did in terms of some of the tensions among one another. It might be helpful to speak to that or, or whatever you feel is on your heart. If you look at your church, where do you want it to be in six months? And where do you want to be as a pastor in terms of your heart in six months? Yeah, well, I think uh, just as Rob had mentioned, you know, getting back to your first love, I thought that was really good. And, and that's actually being concerned with the congregation's piety, that they're actually seeking the Lord, as, as Dwayne mentioned, learning how to lament. Well, lament is a Godward focus. Uh, so we can't, I think coming out of this, we can't assume the maturity of our churches going into all of this. There, there actually could be a bit of decline, spiritual declension that, that is a result of all of this. And so I think, I think we have to be attentive to getting back to the keeping the main thing, the main thing. And so uh, I, for me, I, I, in my mind, I think there's about, I'll call them four doctrinal areas that I think pastors need to be working on and probably are going to need to be teaching on and thinking about uh, coming up. And I think uh, the first is a, a doctrine of congregational preaching, like how does preaching relate to the local church? I mean, that ties in, I think Steve was mentioning just about the online nature. Now preaching is entirely mercenary. People can listen to whoever online. 
well, what's the connection between preaching and a local church? Is there something connecting that where it is the word heard together? So I think a doctrine of preaching, I think um, just to kind of summarize a lot of different issues is uh, just thinking doctrinally about the everybody's relationship to authority. Mm. And I think, I think that's kind of the, you know, obviously the government's authority is one authority to relate to, but obviously God's authority. How do we relate to issues of conscience and how do we deal with each other as we relate that way? And uh, you guys are teasing me on the chat. That's great. Love that. Um, and the, uh, another one I think is, I think it's really important in view of recent events is discernment about having evidence relating to truth. Um, truth things need to be confirmed by two or three witnesses. We need to get back to uh, being concerned with truth and not just gut reactions. Uh, it's going to ruin us if we just have these emotional responses. And then the last one I'd say, I think all of us should reread if we haven't read it. Uh, Kevin DeYoung and Greg Gilbert's book, What is the Mission of the Church? Because I think right now, the church is under great pressure and will be in the next six months to be something that it isn't, to be many things that it isn't. And, and even the church, as opposed to individual Christians and what they might what they might be called to, thinking about the church and its mission, I think we've got to get sharper on that. And if we don't, if we kind of just kind of drift along I think pastors and churches will be pulled in multiple directions. And that that's kind of my fear. But at the same time, I have great hope that for pastors and churches that can navigate these things going forward, well, then you're really going to stick out. You're going to stick out as then uh, being a solid church with the gospel going forth. And I think then that is very, uh, just very distinctive. And our hope is, as, as Stephen mentioned, our hope is that the Lord would bring revival. And then you're a church that then could receive awakened people so that's what that's my hope i guess and that'd be a focus i would suggest as well well i think that's a great way artist fell on the screen i told you that <laughs> it's a dumb cowboy i think that's a great <laughs> that's a weird transition uh i feel like that's a great way to end though on the idea of the proclamation of the word revival and as pastors who are part of the gospel coalition one of the things that we want to encourage is gospel-centered exegetical proclamation of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection and ascension and rule for our sake. So I think that's a wonderful way to, to end. Out the seeds of the, that gospel. And we want to throw out the seeds of the gospel, uh, meaning that it's implanted in people's hearts. <laughs> so we want to hold on to that tightly. And so I'm thankful for all of you for taking the time to share. Uh, this talk will be on our Facebook page, YouTube, and eventually a podcast. And so thank you for you four and for your wisdom.